0: Hello and welcome to Adventures of a Teaching Artist, the podcast where we talk all things arts, education, and theater. I am so excited that you are here. I am your host, Madeline, and in today's episode, we are going to be having a part two to our conversation with Trinity Stevenson. Trinity is currently studying to become a secondary history teacher, um, and so we are actually talking about Hamilton, um, the musical, and how we can apply it to the classroom um, moving forward. You can feel free to listen to part one of our conversation in our previous episode. um, Or you can just listen to this one a la carte, whatever works for you. And with that, let's get learning. importance of like being historically correct is in schools because I know that right now in this period in time there's so much conversation um about like how we've kind of been taught wrong but not necessarily wrong it's Mm -hmm. just from a white or predominantly white perspective what kind of impact does that have on particularly
1: students of color I think it's really detrimental especially to students of color, but let's, I mean, white people are affected by it just as much by not learning about Mm. non-white history, because it happened. And I think it's hard when you say historically correct, Mm. because history is truth, there are certain facts that we know are true, they did happen, we have proof of it. It's more about the interpretation of it, and I think, and what you're looking at, because Things happen all the time. All the time there are things happening. There's history being made. But if we only focus on one brand of history, if we only focus on rich white men history, then everything else is forgotten. And you don't get the full picture of what happened. And so that's why it's important to look at everything. How can educators help create a more
0: holistic view of history from, like, a global perspective involving all of these different cultural experiences.
1: I think doing your full research on a topic, let's take World War II, for example. Everyone just pits it as, like, you know, the Germans against the Americans. There are so many other factors involved. You know, we have the Japanese, we have Japanese Americans, we have... The the way black people were treated in separate troops, everything, you know, there's so many different groups. And so choosing sources that are from a wide variety of people and really, you know, it's hard to pass moral judgment on history because those people were working within their time with the information they knew. And looking back, we can say, oh, that was wrong or that was right. It's hard to pass moral judgment, but you can pass moral judgment in the sense of, ah, uh, we shouldn't do that again. we Or we should <laughs> do that again, you know? And so looking at different sources, taking into account different points of view, and asking your students, what do they think? Because their experiences and the way they view history is valid too, and that can help you better shape history, if that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. What does, like... For common curriculums such as like AP U.S. History, where like you kind of have to be taught a certain way in order to pass a test, how can you make sure that students are excelling and being able to actually pass this test while also giving them that background?
1: That's a hard one, because at the end of the day, it comes down to changing the curriculum. But... Even then, you know, I think teaching your students that getting a five on this test isn't the Mm -hmm. most important thing and learning about what happened is more important than just passing it. And I think we have to talk to, like, the test creators and tell them, like, you know, if you're going to talk about World War II... Asking them what the allies should have done is just as valid and as important as asking, was the treatment of Japanese Americans okay? It mm. wasn't. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. <laughs> um, but, you know, we just have to reframe what we want our students to learn. Because at the end of the day, if we keep pushing a you know rich white man's perspective and agenda, then they're never going to see the true importance of learning about other types of history.
0: What would be something, because you're studying secondary education, what would be something that you'd want to include in like a curriculum or a lesson based on Hamilton?
1: Based on Hamilton. Um, I mean, I think you could take an interesting, like, woman, you know, gender studies mm-hmm. approach with it. You know, talking about Eliza and... I, the, the whole Angelica liking Hamilton is somewhat historical fiction. Mm. It's not a proven thing that she... Oh. They met first and that she liked him, all of that. There are some discrepancies with that. But, you know, talking about Eliza, her role, why did she stay with Hamilton? She didn't really have any other option. I mean, it's easy for us now to say, Eliza should have left him. He was the But women didn't do that back... Women didn't do that until very recently. So I think that would be an interesting thing to talk about, especially with women's studies and the evolution of feminism and women's rights.
0: I, and that also reminds me of... Ibsen's *A Doll House* mm-hmm. and just like how electric that moment where she leaves and that door closes is, like, holy yeah. crap! Like this, this is insane. Um, but now it's like we were learning about it in school, and people are like, "Yeah, she, she should have left a while ago." But it's like you have to think about the historical time period that this is being written and produced in. Exactly.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I'm also. I'm also thinking about like kind of like a women's revolution and how like it alludes to in the in Hamilton it alludes to this like mm-hmm. women are next like we are going to be written into your history whether or not you like it and I yeah. think that at least to me that story is being told from Eliza's perspective mm-hmm. and so I think that that even makes this more powerful as like this is like a story this is a woman's story mm-hmm. basically and her perceptions of this male character yeah um and then leading up to this moment, eventually, that we know of, where women do have, like, their liberation and their
1: time to vote and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's it's an important... It's just another point in the timeline of women's rights, women's achievements, their involvement in, you know, the creation of this country. I think mm-hmm. founding fathers, it's, it's male-oriented. And women were there, too. And they... They had a role, and yes, they couldn't, they were barred from participating to the extent that they wanted to, but they still had a role, and they were still important.
0: would be so interested to, like, go back in a time machine and just, like, see how everything plays out and, like, yes, just to, like, s- also see the stories untold, mm-hmm. um, because the, you, there have to be so many that we don't know of, mm-hmm. um, and just, like, following, like, individual histories would be so interesting. Yeah. And how, like, black people play into it, too, because it, I feel like, from a white perspective, it's uh, hardly told or at least taught, at least in my educational experience, um and I'm wondering like how, how do how do we tell
1: those stories? How do we find them? You know, I think it, it's a hard balance because I mean, I've taken African American studies. I I've taken human I've taken a lot of classes that orient and allowed me to learn more about black history and the struggle of black people in America. And while that is that is very empowering for me, but at the same time it's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. You know reading 12 years a slave was so hard for me because it's like you just imagine like my dad could have been one of those people. Had he been born at a different time, he would have he could have been Solomon Northup. and that's it's hard, but I think it would have been easier if I had learned about that type of history earlier if that makes sense. you know and I think we we don't give kids enough credit. We think that they can't handle it. And they can. And it's important that they learn it or else they get to high school and they're like, well, why did no one tell me this? Why did no one tell me that, you know, Japanese Americans were put into concentration camps here in America? Why did no one say that? Why did no one tell me that we literally stole the land and slaughtered the natives? Why did no one tell me what slavery was really like?
0: You know? And then even those moments... Like, for example, Columbus coming across the sea. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, that's when we were founded. and it's a moment of celebration. And then you get to, like you said, high school, and you're like, oh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like, this is a lot worse than, like, I, I was, like, taught mm-hmm. to think of it.
1: Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's trying to create patriotism in a place, and I feel, I'm sure, I know, not everyone feels this way, but I don't think a job of an educator is to instill patriotism in students. To me, learning about the real history, learning about how people struggled and still overcame, especially from marginalized and oppressed groups, that creates way more patriotism than just learning about white history by pretending it didn't happen. Because to me, it's more inspiring to hear that black people were enslaved, they were beaten, they were barred from voting, they were lynched, they were everything, and they still overcame. That's, that's patriotic to me, that's inspiring. And so, if you don't teach that, then, then you're breeding, people are going to be resentful of America. That's why there are people who are resentful. Because they didn't learn about the true history.
0: And I almost think, too, that there isn't one definition of patriotism. And what that mm-hmm. looks like for individuals is completely different one person to the next. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as an educator, I think my role is to, like, talk about those things and recognize that students have different perceptions of America. And their their thoughts about patriotism is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, And being able to talk about that and still be respectful of one another, I think is so important in the classroom, rather than, you don't agree with what I think, and so that's it. Like, I don't want to, like, cancel culture, basically, in the classroom. exactly. But then it gets to a certain point where it's like, what is is too much? Like, when does it go too far? Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, being like, slavery was like, right. Exactly. And then being like... Maybe not. yeah, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and just like where where's the boundary? And, like,
1: as an educator, how do I set that boundary? <laughs> I, 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 I think I think that starts by making your own arguments, you know, I, I, you don't want to push your don't relate it to the present because that's where you get dangerous. That's mm-hmm. where we're getting into political debates, and that's not our job as teachers to push our political agenda. However, what happened in the past happened, and it's not about being on one side of the aisle or the other, you know? We're not going to say, I'm not going to allow people to say that slavery was good. I don't think you should. I don't think that's allowed. That's, that's inhumane. That's not political anymore. That's just inhumane. Making the argument that slavery was essential to the development of the South Mm -hmm. While still recognizing that slavery itself is bad, that's different, that's okay, mm-hmm. that's your argument, but it's hard. It is a hard thing. And line. it relates to history, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's
0: not just, like, someone coming up with something and being like, ah, yep, mm-hmm. this is what I believe, I have nothing to back it up, but this yeah, is it. exactly. Hmm. I've been almost struggling with... The fact that I want... I want to my classroom eventually to be a place of justice and also representation while also being like a place where I'm not, like, in like pushing those ideals on... yeah those kids, yeah. So
1: it's
0: like... It, it, it's like... A, it's a fine line where you're like... Mm-hmm. You almost have to, like, separate you yourself from, like, what you're teaching and just teach it.
1: Yeah. And I think... It's di- it's going to be different for every subject. Like I said, mm-hmm. history is what happened in the past and we don't need to make it about politics now. I I don't know how you would do that in theater cuz mm-hmm. it's just completely different, but you know, we're, we're not trying to indoctrin- indoctrinate kids, but I'm not going to not tell the truth. I'm not yeah. going to I'm not going to sugarcoat what happened in throughout history just so that kids don't feel like i am pushing their agenda my agenda on them cuz i'm not it's what happened history yeah. is truth that's why i like history cuz history is truth there are undeniable truths there that people cannot escape from
0: i see and this is where theater gets mm-hmm. a little rocky cuz Traditionally, I think of it as being a place of, like, liberal ideology, Mm -hmm. and, like, representing people and telling these stories, and that's very much a liberal idea of, like, feelings Mm -hmm. and storytelling, and it's not necessarily factual all of the time, and we don't necessarily have, like, have something to pinpoint to, Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is too imaginative. It's, It's fictional. Um... But then connecting, like, those fictional things to, like, real-life things, and then, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And then we get into, like, uh, theater of the oppressed, and also, like, theater for social change, and what that looks like. And that's very much Mm -hmm. liberal, and going along with, like, social justice, which is, tends to be liberal. Mm -hmm. um, And it's, it would almost be easier just to, like not have a two- party system yeah <laughs> um, and yes and not and then not categorize that way because even i just categorized both of those things mm-hmm. um how, how yeah, like you can't avoid it either because like that yeah. is the world that we are currently in-hmm
1: I think recognizing that there is there is validity there is power there is. Importance in everything Learning about Thomas Jefferson as a Founding father and as a president And his you know his standpoints His views what he did is just as Important as learning about him also As living As a slave owner living in the time that he did Making the choices that he did They're both important because they're both True mm-hmm. you know Teddy Roosevelt there's been a Discussion about his statue outside Of the uh, Smithsonian, Smithsonian, I believe, and it's him on a horse above an African slave and a Native American. That's problematic. That's that's painting the picture that he's above them. Do we need to not ever talk about Teddy Roosevelt again? Of course not. He's he was very important. He did a lot for this country. You know, it's important to recon- recognize both sides, sinners and saints, good and bad. Mm. They're all tied together. I think what's
0: interesting about, like, interview-based theater is you get so many different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what is truth? And I I think that's where theater gets very blurry. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, the Laramie Project, very controversial. um, And so many people are like, well, this is wrong. Like, the way they portrayed the story is wrong. But also, at the same time, like... It's interview-based. Mm-hmm. But what happens when playwrights have the power to place things where they want? Mm-hmm. Whereas in
1: history... Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Dominoes. That's and, it. And I think, you know, there is still... There is always bias in every source you're going to read. Because we get a lot of our information, especially with primary with primary sources, they're written by an individual... And they have their own biases. They, they're from a certain time. They grew up in a certain place. And recognizing that as well, that's also just as important. I can't wait to be a teacher because I'll teach my students all these things. <laughs> you have to consider it all, you know? If you read the account of the Vietnam War from, you know, a top U.S. official versus Nixon versus the Vietnamese living in Vietnam, the the guerrilla fighters, you know, a soldier who was sent there willingly, a soldier who was sent there because they were drafted. Like, you're going to get a different picture of that one event. You're going to have five different views at least of that one event. And so, you know, take into account as many point of views as you can to find that truth. Hmm.
0: And I'm just thinking about theater and how, like, it's typically one person writing it and they're like, here you go, Mm -hmm. now play, go perform for me. Um, And I'm wondering how we can begin to diversify the perspectives within that. Um, Obviously, we have dramaturgy to help in that and, like, Mm -hmm. making sure that what we're doing is historically like, in context, and, like, making sure that, like, yeah, our costumes, like, aren't actually from that time period, so maybe, like, we should think about that and what that can tell for, like, an audience. Mm -hmm. Like, if Hamilton was, like, street clothes in, like, New York City right now, like, that'd be a completely different story than what it is in its present moment.
1: Yeah. For sure. It's a discussion that I think we need to keep having. And I don't know if it'll ever be resolved fully, but we have to keep trying, you know, to Mm -hmm. diversify theater and make it more realistic, make it better.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And also just getting more people to the table and on stage, too. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when you have black playwrights, you can have black plays that are Mm -hmm. meant for black people traditionally theater is white i'm gonna say it it's elitist and white and so how do we completely shift that so it better fits the world we are currently in Mm -hmm. and i i'm also curious though with shows like a Raisin in the sun Mm -hmm. do white people have a place being at that table talking about creating that show and if so like what does that look like
1: Mm Yeah, and I think we all have to recognize our place in, in, this is, you know, kind of goes along with the discussion about cultural appropriation, but so long as white people are the majority and they have the power, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, recognizing that is it really your place to direct, you know, be the costume designer, be the hair Mm -hmm. designer for a show that is for black people? written by someone who's black, you know, it's for a black audience. Where is your place in that? Because then
0: it's also, as a white teacher, I want to make sure that my students are being represented in the media that we produce, Mm -hmm. but is it, is it my place to, like, choose that?
1: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know.
0: (laughs) It's such a, it's such a big question that I think a lot of White educators, specifically in theater, are now considering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, too, that can even go with English. Like, do I have a place to choose this book written by a black author about a black experience when I don't know what it's like to actually talk about these things?
1: I think if you do your research, if you're doing it for the right reasons, then yes. I would say yes, but I don't know. I'm only one person.
0: educators, either in theater or in history classes, take away from Hamilton, and how can they start applying, like, that media, I guess, Mm -hmm. into their classrooms?
1: Well, particularly with history teachers, I mean, Hamilton is a great resource for kids to, you know, learn about historical events in more of a fun way. Like, I know... Not every kid is going to learn best by just, like, reading their notes or just by reciting something back to you. Sometimes they need to have a song. You know, if they have the song, you know, Battle of Yorktown stuck in their head, then they're going to remember that it was, you know, what year it was in and all that. So I think a lot of teachers already do this and they try to diversify the media that they use in their classrooms, but it's just one more tool, you know. Even if you can't show the movie, the play in class, you can play the music, you know.
0: Nice. And I'm wondering, how do you see this show influencing theater moving forward?
1: I hope it inspires other playwriters to write more, like, historically accurate plays and make them fun because everyone can learn from history in one way or another. I also... I'm sure it'll be a long time before students can perform it, you know, in high schools and colleges, but I think it would be so cool to see, you know, like, (laughs) high school kids doing this play. And I almost think that they could start, like, parodying the music
0: and the patterns and the rhythms within Mm -hmm. the lyrics, um... And beats, I guess I'm unfamiliar oh. with music and how it's created. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm also I'm also wondering because like like people have written historical plays, like mm-hmm. I don't know of any because they like <laughs> they they haven't been like as fun. Yeah. But I feel like too, even in like historical movies, there's almost always like some kind of like discrepancy or like something that's just like not historically correct. But, yeah. Like.
1: Um, and I think there's all, there will always be something that's historically incorrect, even if that's just by not telling the full story. But I don't think that totally ruins the media, the medium. So, like, for example, like, a lot of people have issues with Gone with the Wind. Understandably so. It paints slavery... As something that is nostalgic and we should go back to, and it's a propaganda piece for the South, all you know, so many issues with it. However, there are things that we can take away from it. We can talk about how Gone with the Wind was very important to Southerners and why they love it and how we move forward with it. And so, I think. Even if there are discrepancies, it's still worth talking about. It's still worth reading. It's still worth watching. It's still worth partaking in. So, yeah.
0: And even what you said about Gone with the Wind kind of reminds me, too, of, like, censorship in education. Mm -hmm. And how, while some things shouldn't be read, at the same time, like, not mentioning them is also detrimental. And, like, you want to be able to talk about, like, this is, like, a book we're not reading, for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's important that you understand that, and I think that that comes down to, like, a transparency within education, mm-hmm. and, like, being willing to be, like, we were wrong at a certain point to be teaching
1: this, because, like, now it, it, it doesn't fit with us. Yeah, and, like, that's especially, you know, when you're talking about Hamilton, when you're teaching it, let's say you, you, somebody bases their whole college class off of Hamilton. You talk about it, you watch it. Then you go into, so why didn't they include the fact that Thomas Jefferson slept with his slaves, had Mm. many children with slaves? You know, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about how George Washington's teeth were not wooden, and in fact they were former slaves' teeth, you know? Like, they're jumping off points, and I think that's what we have to remember. There will never be a perfect piece of media. There will never be a complete play, a complete movie, TV show, book that includes everything. It's impossible. But we use certain pieces, and then we add on to it. We expand. That's the beauty of history, because there is so much. And we can talk about it all, but not at once, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, and then I think that's where,
0: like, you can begin to connect to different mediums, and have those mediums talk to one another, Mm -hmm. and, like, be like, okay, so we watched Hamilton. How does that relate to, like, Howard Zinn's, like, historical piece, like, how are all of these pieces that we have currently talking to one another, and, Mm -hmm. like, how are they, like, contradictory,
1: and, like, what what can we take from that? Yeah, definitely. Covering, you know, how does, how can we have a piece of media, Hamilton, that was, it it covers the same time period as 12 Years a Slave? You know, Mm -hmm. how does that play into it, and how... We can talk about things and we can pass moral judgment without disregarding them completely. And I think that's really important. And as teachers, as educators, it's your job to educate yourself fully and to have a better picture than just Hamilton. And you can always learn and you can always expand, but it's your job as the teacher to offer those other resources, those other facts to your students.
0: to talk with trinity about history and education and hamilton of course and i'm so happy that you were able to listen in um if you have any thoughts that you would want to share about anything that we talked about in today's episode feel free to find us on instagram also known as adventures of a teaching artist follow us leave some comments dm us anything um that you want to share feel free to do so we are always looking for other people to connect with And with that, I hope you have a wonderful day and listen in next week for another episode. Adventures of a Teaching Artist is created in collaboration with Ben Schwartz, our musical artist, and Ray Wolf, our graphic designer. Thank you so much for your art and contributions.